Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amidon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is The Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amidon Planet production. Here we go. We have a very special guest today, Austin Jones. Now, Austin, you have been a part of my class and have and have you had Dr. Monroe in class? Yes. Yes. The very first semester of our freshman year. Whoa. <laughs> so yeah. like first few days of class, like of your time at the University of Mississippi, you were in Dr. Monroe's class? Right. Actually, I think even before that, maybe you were part of the retreat, Dr. Monroe. So even before the first day of class. That's we, correct. Wow. <laughs> and I actually, I actually remember Austin's interview for METP. I remember he was wearing a bow tie. Oh. And I believe he was like under a stairwell somewhere, like for the inner, you were somewhere like, it looked like you were like, like maybe you were at school and you're trying to get a quiet place. I can't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but I do remember, I believe you were wearing a bow tie. Am I right? I, I actually don't remember. That was a long time ago. But I, I do, do remember, I, I do remember I was at home though. I was at home. Okay. Well, then but, maybe you weren't hiding under a oh staircase. God, maybe I was <laughs> <laughs> But you had a bow tie on. I do remember that. All right. Yeah. It was a really good interview. So Austin Jones is Harry Potter. That's what we want to say. (laughs) Lives in the stairs. Oh, your aunt and uncle are so mean. And sorry about your (laughs) your cousin. No, uh, Austin. So Austin Jones, METP fellow. And so we can put a link. And so that's Mississippi Excellence in Teaching Project. Uh, And We'll put some information in the uh, show notes if people want to learn more about that program. It's outstanding. You're like, because already some people are like, "Whoa, you get to interact with professors even before you step on campus, and you're from freshman year." Yeah, there's some amazing things happening with METP. So if you want to check mm-hmm. that out, again, we'll put a link in the show notes. But Austin, I've talked too much, and you obviously are not Harry Potter, right? <laughs> Living under the stairs uh, that Dr. Monroe is saying. But can you give a little introduction to yourself so people know who we're talking to here? Yes, my name is Austin Jones. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. I am the youngest of six. I have four Oops. brothers. I have six, six siblings. Wow. I have four brothers, one sister, but I have not lived with all of my siblings. My first three brothers live with their dad in Albany, Georgia. And my sister was actually living with a foster family that my mother knew. And so I've lived with a brother right above me, uh, the brother right above me and myself. We've been living together all our lives. Um, and yeah, so from Jackson, Mississippi. And then I went to Jacksonville schools. I was K through 12, Jacksonville public schools. Um, went to quite a few schools, Jacksonville schools, and I was at elementary school. Um, but I'm a graduate of Murrah, Murrah High School, the only place to be, Murrah Mustang. And I decided going into college that I wanted to be, be a teacher, um, followed the decision that I made when I was really, really young, that I'd always said that I wanted to be a teacher. For some reason, I was young. I fell in love with being the boss of everybody. And so I just decided, hey, I want to be a teacher to boss people around. <laughs> but obviously, now reasons have changed. And so I've decided to become a mathematics educator uh, here at the University of Mississippi. And I'm going to, after I graduate, I'm going to be a teacher here in Mississippi. So a little bit. Fantastic. Me. Lucky for us. So. <laughs> So, you know, you're talking about your, like your educational past here a little bit. And so that's where we kind of like to start is, could you think about three teachers who you'd like to thank who have shaped your development as a person? Yes. Um, so 
three teachers. I would say my first one is my fourth grade teacher. Her name was Miss Hall. Um, she was a tall, skinny, um, somewhat mean thing, but she was also <laughs> so nice. She was so nice though. She was like the pinnacle of what you, when you say warm demander, she was that kind of teacher. Nice. Like he was like, Hey, she's like about the business. I've got to get the work, got to get, get the learning happening. But she was also like so sweet and kind. And she particularly like had, I think like, I feel like she had a, like she took a great interest in me and she knew that I wanted to be a teacher. Like she knew I told her in fourth grade, I wanted to be a teacher. And so she was constantly kind of making me like the teacher's assistant in class. And nice. she just like, really like just, she posits, she positively included me in her class. And I felt like very valued in her class and um, very valuable in her class. And she was just a nice person. And I actually saw her maybe like in fourth grade, I saw her maybe like three or four years ago. And I was like, Hey, Miss Hall. And she kind of looked at me and she was like, Hey, and then looked away and she was like, Oh, Hey. <laughs> and so, and so yeah, Miss Hall was one of my teachers. She's fourth grade teacher, fourth grade math teacher. And the second teacher I like to think is um, my teacher, Miss um, Ballard. She was my English teacher for um, in high school. She was actually my English teacher for like two years. And Miss um, Ballard's class was just, it was like just a it wasn't just a comfortable place to be. Uh, she was so passionate about teaching. I could tell that she was also another teacher that I told that I wanted to be a teacher. And so she kind of fostered kind of that like little teacher things in me, like, Hey, I was in here. Great. These things were here. Like here also like, I'm like, look at this and let's talk about this for a second. And she was also the kind of, you know, English teacher, you know, on Twitter, there's like this running me that English teachers are the teachers that know like the deepest, darkest parts of you <laughs> for some people. And she did, she didn't know. Um, she didn't know. She was like the, probably one of the only teachers in high school that I did share, like, who Austin is and aspects of my identity with her because I was comfortable enough to do that with her mm. um, because she was just like, she like really just made me feel like feel feel full human in our classroom. It wasn't just about academics, but she was wanting with academics. But then also she was also like, Hey, I want to know how you're doing as a person, how you, wow. how you are. And then my final teacher is um, Mr. Ackerman. He was my math teacher in high school. Um, I was like on like a special like kind of honors track in high school. It was called APAC though. And so he was my math teacher for like three years. And just thinking about Mr. Ackerman, like, you know, he taught me a, taught me a, a, a lot of math in his class. Also, like he just, he also knew that, hey, Austin is so capable. Austin is so intelligent. He knew that of me. So whenever I was like, you know, I'm like a chronic worrier. Whenever I worry about my grades or worry about something like, am I going to pass this? He was like, you know, reassuring me like, you know, you're so smart, Austin. You're so capable. You know, I've known you for like two and a half years, three years now. And, you know, I like owe it to him even more recent memory. Like, you know, I just recently took like my practice maybe like a month and a half ago. And, you know, a lot of that math under is like math I've learned in high school. And so luckily I got my results last week and I passed. Nice. Yeah. Huge <laughs> thank you to him, um, just in terms of teaching math and also like just being a great teacher. Nice. I love the like, you know, just the you I guess we're seeing a pattern in some of these things. It's less it's it's not just about the content, right? You know, it's mm -hmm. like even with Mr. Ackerman like investing all that math in you, but still think about Miss uh Ms. Hall and, and think about all the you know, the people that they see you beyond just the student, but yeah, the whole person side. I, I just I really appreciate that. Yeah. All three teachers you had a, a relationship with that yeah. was deeper than just, um, you know, that, that content exchange. It was that, you know, you, you and I think it's interesting that you mentioned that relationship piece and Dr. Amidon and I have heard a lot about this from other people. It seems to be the same 
like you said, you know, repetition of what these teachers mean to people is that they knew me, they mm-hmm. saw me, um, but also that they were serious about the content. It's that combo, mm-hmm. you know, which yeah, is great. Right. So, okay. So you're, you decided to take this journey to become a teacher. What, what were two reasons or events that kind of led to that decision? Um, I think for me, I had always wanted to be a teacher and it was always like a weird thing. Cause you know, I'm like a young, like black male from Jackson, Mississippi. I grew up in poverty, grew up with a single mom. And so it was kind of always weird to like say, okay, I want to be a teacher. Like kindergarten, like I said, when I, when I said I was a teacher in kindergarten, <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to boss people around, but, <laughs> but I stayed on this journey because I noticed that like, and it's not necessarily a certain event, but then I've noticed that, you know, I really love being like the teacher's assistant. I really love helping my peers. I really love like coaching them. Um, and so like, Number one, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Number two, it was just I found myself constantly in math classes in particular, like playing the role of the teacher assistant and the math teacher yeah. knowing that, hey, Austin is capable, Austin knows this, and Austin wants to share what he knows with his peers. And so I found myself in the position of always kind of tutoring and like saying, you know, oh, look, Austin, come help me with this. I know you know it. And things like that. His peers would say something like that. And then just also like noticing that in my interactions with my peers when I was like in high school in particular, when I was um, – like tutoring them or helping them out the math problem, like I found myself like kind of like on their STEM identity because it was so much like coming to me like, Austin, I'm so dumb. I know you know this. You're so smart. And I'm like, wait, no, you know, let, let's pause right there for a second right. and like examine that and talk about that because you're not dumb. You're not smart. You just need a little bit more practice. Math is a skill. Math is a sport. You got to practice it. And so like I found myself doing that kind of like naturally and a teacher caught on those like Austin that was really good right there you know you're not just tutoring students in the content you know you're coaching them making them believe in themselves and and their abilities and so like when my teacher like Mr. Ackman noticed that and said that to me I guess that is one event that really inspired me like you know hey I can I can be a mathematics teacher I can mm-hmm. foster this productive identity in my classroom and that's what I want to do on top of just I've always wanted to do it I've, I just wanted to be a teacher I didn't know I wanted to teach math <laughs> But I knew I wanted to be a teacher, right? Nice. Uh, that's beautiful. And, and again, seeing some of the things you saw in you, the teachers that you thanked initially, seeing that in some of your own, uh, you know, some of your own practices, which you just described. And I'll say it, I saw it from like a, you know, when we were doing our last class in 353 in the pandemic, I remember mm-hmm. I've seen that from from the from the zoom screen right and seeing how you were investing in your your teammates where they would give you give feedback on each other's uh, lessons and things and uh yeah like that's that's the kind of teachers we need that are investing investing in in being able to do the work but then also as a person beyond so that's that's excellent and also austin you use that word coach which yes. is interesting because dr amadon and i are reading a book right now and they they talked about teachers as coaches, you know, being a coach or um, what was the other a conductor. Uh, like a, a conductor, conductor or a coach, you know, that yeah. both roles, you know, it just depends on the personality of the teacher, but both roles are really effective in working with, you know, the student population. And so I think that coach word, it just came out of your mouth. And I think that's a great uh, description of what a teacher does, an effective teacher does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Austin, you ready to place a mile marker on your path to better teaching? Let's go. All right. (laughs) So, so yeah, this is, you know, teacher's journey. We're on the road to better teaching. So we're going to place that mile marker. So what would be an artifact that you'd use to represent your mile marker? I think um, an artifact that I would use to represent my mile marker is actually a t-shirt that I got from. um, That's a first for us, a t-shirt. 
Good. Yes. Oh, yeah, a T-shirt that we <laughs> that to wear like a suit, like a teacher intern from the Sunflower County Freedom Project in the Mississippi Delta, Sunflower County. Um, and on the shirt was the um, quote, like, freedom has never been free. And it contained pictures of the uh, civil rights activists who got killed in Mississippi, coming to Mississippi, trying to advocate for people's like civil mm-hmm. rights and social justice. They got killed and it was a picture of them in the shirt. And that was that was the shirt that we first got and received as kind of like to represent the camp and symbolize the work that we we're going to do at the camp. Um, on top of like being a camp counselor and teaching things like that, but to contextualize our work at the camp. So what, okay, and you just did, was that this past summer that you just did this? No, that was the summer of 2019. 2019. 2019. Okay, mm-hmm. excellent. Um, pre-pandemic. That, yeah, makes yeah, yeah. Sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so why is this mile marker important to your growth as a teacher? Um, with the SAFP, it was like, I mean, it, it's so hard to encapsulate the full experience of the SAFP. Um, and this, you know, very short podcast, but um, in one word, it was just so transformative because the work that we did there first, it was about coming to Mississippi Delta, all right, which historically has been so under-resourced, all right, mm-hmm. um, so stripped of its resources, and there's so high rates of poverty there because of the history that there, and so it was so important because I was coming in from that perspective, like, hey, we're coming in here not to necessarily, like, change things or save people but we're coming here to first of all grow and develop ourselves but also invest in a community that needs more investment mm-hmm. um and you know like in human capital there and so it was so like important because like i found myself like that was the first time the summer 2019 was the first time that i found myself in an actual teacher role all right like we were fully in charge of classes, us and like college interns. And we um, were building relationships with students like from like we literally started the day at seven o'clock and we didn't get home till five o'clock because all that time we were spending around students and we were teaching them academic classes and we were uh, doing like creative clubs, which is kind of like the art stuff. And we were like doing study hall and morning meetings and things like that. And so it was the role that I got, like, it was, I guess, a fuller picture of what I got at being a teacher and that at the core of teaching is a good relationship. All right. But also like, you know, a ton of other skills as well. Like, so I was like learning, you know, how to actually teach content and teach in a way that's, you know, that students can actually pick it up and it's be engaging, things like that. But also realizing that, hey, at every moment at the SCFP, I was building relationships with students and using that, leveraging that um, when I needed to, you know, be Mr. Jones. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so Austin, I think so. that's really interesting because you you talked about those relationships with those three teachers you mentioned earlier and how important that was to you. And you're mentioning it here with your relationship with these students in the Sunflower County Project. But also, like you said, there, there, there are other parts to it, but I kind of think of that relationship as sort of like the glue, mm-hmm. that the other parts won't stick unless you have that, right? So right. like the content piece doesn't stick you know, the, other, the little social things you're teaching don't stick unless they have that relationship. So it's like the glue or the thread, if you will, of teaching that I think that relationship piece really is. The yeah. other things will stick and the other things are really important, but they're not going to stick unless you unless you have that relationship piece. 
Mm-hmm. And even something that I had learned at the SFP is that when you're starting as a teacher, you know, like you need those classroom management skills. You need to know how to handle the classroom and things like that, but that you lean on your relationships to kind of restore and sustain that, like, that, like, structure and order in your classroom, right? But leveraging relationships, yeah. <laughs> SFP. Yeah, definitely something you can lean on. That's for sure. Um, so, and this is, I, I think this might be an an all encompassing one, but so why is this mile marker important to the field? Like why, why should, you know, the broader teachers. So like we're thinking about this as uh, connecting to to standards, our in-test standards. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I'm wondering which standards you think connect to this mile marker of your development as a teacher. Um, I would say that um, definitely learning differences, um, was a big part because coming to the SCFP where we're in the heart of Mississippi Delta, where Sunflower County, you know, where there it's a historical under-resourced community. I think it's very easy for um, like people like that. Like I didn't have any experience. Like I'm from Jackson, Mississippi and I was raised, you know, I, I wasn't raised with the most income and I, you know, I, my, I did was raised by a single mom. All right. And it was easy. It was even easy for me to come in and thinking that, Hey, Oh, all these kids are going to like be a certain kind of way. All right. They're not going to care about school. They're going to be so low. And so coming in with like that deficit mindset um, and then misapplying it to all of my students, like all of my freedom fellows, we call them. Um, and so I think learning differences was a huge thing because the students were so unique. They were so, they, they were just as varied and just as diverse as any bunch of students from any community, you know, whether it was under-resourced or whether it was, was, wasn't. Um, and so recognizing that and then catching myself when I begin to think differently than that, like that was a huge thing for me at the SCFP, um, accounting for learning differences um, and how students learn and also how they interact with each other and then their own individual di- like differences with themselves. And then... Um, Can I pause the right one, for a second, oh, Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, when you when you talk about the learning differences, I mean, and I appreciate the honesty that you're saying. Like, I came in with this perspective, and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And like, I learned. I mean, like, like, and, and I think sometimes we think of mile markers of our development as being always these positive things. But like, you know, like even mm-hmm. to say like, I had a, an aha moment, and I had to learn. Like, that's awesome. So th- again, thank you for being transparent. There, keep going though. And then the second one that I would say why it's important to the field is just the application of content. Um, at the SFP, we were so big on not just teaching students like the content, but fostering their social and emotional um, growth and um, also like fostering like a social justice oriented mindset. Like right. in the math curriculum at the SFP, there were elements of social justice all throughout the curriculum. So we weren't just teaching like we were just teaching math. We were teaching them about, okay, let's talk about like poverty and how poverty disproportionately affects like you guys here in this region compared to other parts of the state, all right, and parts of the country. And then we also talked about school funding in the math curriculum and when, you know, connecting that to ratios and proportions. And let's look at the per student spending. Let's look at that, mm, all right, yep. use that as a way to talk about um ratios and proportions and also percentages. And so like we were constantly using math as a way to like examine the world that the Freedom Fellows lived in, like, because we actually used data from their county. Like this wasn't just data that just got somewhere else and just, hey, just throw it in their face. Like this is from Sunflower County that we use with them. And let's, let's talk about this and let's 
like critique this through talking about math, through talking about ratios, through talking about proportions and percentages and unit rates and things like that. And it just made me as a teacher think, hey, like this is what school should foster, that critical consciousness and um, making sure that I'm showing my students how math can be relevant to them, right? Now, can everything in math be, you know, social justice oriented? No, but it's, but whatever, wherever we could fit it in, we did. And I think it resonated so much with our students at the SCFPR Freedom Fellows. That's great. So at the end of this is uh, when we do a resource dump on some stuff. And I can see Dr. Monroe knows that there's going to be a, a number of things I'm going to hand down. I've, I've got one in mind. I want to make got, sure. Oh, oh I'm, we talk I'm about. ready. This is like my wheelhouse, <laughs> Austin. Oh, my goodness. Um, but hey, before we get there, because again, this is this is your episode. Um, what is, so just to give a framework, what is your current pocket size philosophy statement? This is so, it's always so hard for me because I constantly change it. I really changed it like last week. Last week I changed oh, it again. Right, all right. I mean, that's a good <laughs> sign. Still refining. All right. It's okay. Just thinking about it. That's great. That's yeah. And I kind of hinted at it when I gave uh, just my response by the SAFP, but I just like my pocket size philosophy statement of what I think education should do and what it's a teacher I want to do is that I feel like education should build a critical consciousness, like critical consciousness, it should build that. And that's just my short and sweet statement. I can elaborate on it a little bit more. But with the SCFP, um, one thing we constantly did was we talked about civil rights icons, like the morning meetings, we talked about civil rights icons, and we talked about their legacy, we talked about their work. And we kind of used the past and what these people did in the past and the work that they started off in the past and just the past in general to talk about, okay, our president and why our president is set up in such a kind of way and like what inequities exist now and how can we then continue that work that the people did in the past to positively impact our future. And so that was our whole overarching goal at the SCFP is to build and foster a critical consciousness, right? To question the world they live in, um, to think about why things are the way they are. Um, and so at a global level, it's like, also building that social justice oriented mindset at a global level. Um, and then at a more local level, like in the day-to-day interactions with my students, how this philosophy statement looks like on a day-to-day level, it looks like me fostering their curiosity and like getting them to ask that question, why? And letting them know, hey, that question, like, I want to hear, I want to hear you ask the question, why? Like, why do we, should, why should we care about this math? Or why is this math done in this way? Or why does this even work? All right. And even just, talking about that and when you're building this critical consciousness at least um like it's seeing students as like co-constructors i guess of your classroom environment because when Mm -hmm. they start questioning when they start questioning things and you start a teacher like hey you know that's a good point i don't know why i do it that way let's think about another way we can do that So, so kind of like just like just just building that critical consciousness just questioning where we live in and then like acting on kind of like what we gather from that and just just not accepting things just because they are the way they are but questioning things like that's what i want to foster as a teacher yeah that's awesome and i mean you answered that second part how we see the influence of this mark in your philosophy statement in your journey as a teacher you, you nailed that um and i really like the I mean, just like how you describe, I mean, it's almost coming to full, like when you're talking about the job of a teacher from the teachers that you thanked 
It was more than just, you know, the contract says that they're going to teach this grade and this content, but it's the job is more than that. And then you're coming back to like, even seeing this is like, uh, like an act of social justice is, is, is to be a teacher and to, to do these things and interact with the, with students and to show them what's possible in the world. I, I think that's pretty amazing. But um, Dr. Monroe, did you have anything that you wanted to share? Yeah, I mean, I just, I love this idea, Austin, you were talking about, um, what was the phrase you used? Social consciousness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our critical, critical consciousness. consciousness. Yeah. Critical consciousness, yes. And like yeah. how very, very important that is. And it just kind of reflects this idea that like Joel was saying, you know, we're, as teachers, we talk about, you know, our job is to teach to the standards, but our job is to teach the standards to human beings. Yes. And when you're teaching content to human beings, they bring their humanity with them. And there's so much to do with that humanity as a teacher and in the classroom. And that's where all these other things come in. You can't ignore mm-hmm. that. You can't really be a great teacher if you're only focusing on the standards and the content. You have to be focusing on the humanity in your room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. human beings in your room <laughs> and what it means to be someone who's learning and growing, not only in content, but in every other way. And it's just part of what the job is. And if you really want to be a good teacher, you know, you have to be open and accepting of that responsibility and those other areas of learning that need to take place in the classroom. And I think that was just a, that's to me clearly coming out in what you value and what you see as your role um, as a teacher. And I think particularly as a teacher in Mississippi, I think there's so much, you know, I think it's important anywhere, but I think there's just so much uh, that we need to make sure that, um, that we talk about in our classrooms that uh, so much areas for growth and um, being conscious about things. It's really, really important. So I I appreciate that for sure. All right. Now brace yourself. We're going to, so we're going to give a bunch of resources and I've got several listed here. Um, And I'm curious though. Yeah. I'm wondering, did, did you ever talk about Bob Moses? Bob Moses, yes, he was a the, he was a Mississippi teacher in Jackson, Mississippi. About and I forgot, it's Bob Moses Project. That's what it's called. The Elder Project. Yeah, he recently um, passed. Yeah. Know, like recently, yeah. Oh yep. yeah, yeah, I know of him. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Radical Equations is yes, a book yes. where he talks about the Mississippi Freedom Summer when he went down and registered people to vote and was being threatened with his life. And so, thinking about you know what he did to try to you know facilitate people investing in people in order so that they can invest in their community right through through the vote and he now then he you know later on he equated almost the same action of registering people to vote with like making sure everyone knows algebra right if like Mm -hmm. and he saw algebra as a gatekeeper to citizenship so radical equations um is a book that he wrote with uh charles cobb jr and actually did a podcast with a mathematician uh eris winger from uh gwinnett uh college i'm forgetting a in Gwinnett, Georgia College in right outside of Atlanta. And um, we talked about Bob Moses. And so like, I'm going to post a thing to a podcast and that book, the book is awesome. And I think any teacher of math in Mississippi or any teacher of math anywhere needs to read that book, but especially in Mississippi, he talks about his experiences. Rethinking Mathematics is from Rethinking Schools, but it talks about a lot of these issues. I don't even, I, I wonder if some of these projects and lessons that you uh, talk about that you did um, over the summer might have been from that book because they talk about you know some of these issues and try to use issues in local data in order to do um, in order to make make meaning out of mathematics right in order to what uh, Gutstein would say is read and write the world he's one of the editors of the book like you're 
I'm using mathematics as a way to read the world in order so I can act mm -hmm. on it or write the world. So, right. that, so like that, and, and that's from Freire too, who talks about that. And that um, sounds like what your students were doing with that data from their community, you know, like that you're putting it into that context where they can sense that that's something they can do with, with the, you yeah. know, with the mathematics. Right. And one right. more book is high school math lessons to explore, understand, and respond to social injustice. That's by some friends, uh, uh, Robert Berry, John Staley, um, uh, Basil Conway and Brian Lawler. And they put that book together and it's a bunch of lessons from teachers too, but it's, it's one of the most uh, valuable books because it has all like the main documents that are exist for math ed and it kind of compacted in here. And then, so it's like, it's great mathematics with some great context in order to, again, read and write the world. And that just came out in 2020 and actually had a chance to talk with some of the authors on it. We did like a book club on it, but that's, that is an awesome book. And they also are making new books to be for middle school, elementary, and I think even early childhood. So there's either two wow. or three more books coming out uh, in that series, but it's a, that's an awesome book as well. I've got a copy in my office. If you, Of all these things, Austin, if you want to take a look at it. Um, yeah. And uh, Dr. Monroe, did you have anything you wanted to throw? Yeah, I think just this is not necessarily math related um, in particular, What's but it kind of speaks to that social justice uh, dynamic we were talking about and the importance of making sure students understand what their role is and responsibilities are. And I know for me, uh, this is a resource that I've used over the years, and uh, it's the Southern Poverty Law Center's Learning for Justice uh, mm, materials yes. and resources. Now, it, people might know it under the name Teaching Tolerance, yep. but that, that's mm -hmm. kind of the, they changed the name to Learning for Justice. I think to, it encompasses more of what they do, but if you go to the Southern Poverty Law Center's website, they have a section for learning for justice and there's all sorts of resources and things that teachers can use in their classrooms, K-12, uh, and just amazing materials that are free uh, for teachers to get those conversations going in the classroom and looking at uh, how you can involve um, students to be, um, you know, change agents in their own communities and, um, you know, speaking to that part of uh, uh, the humanity in your classroom and, and producing good citizens. So that, that would be the resource. And we'll put links to these in our uh, resources section. Show notes. Show notes. That's what yeah. they're called. Show notes. And great minds think alike. So the, the teaching or learning for justice has also had from the Southern Poverty Law Center also has standards, social justice standards, and those social mm -hmm. justice standards are referenced in that last book that I mentioned. And they align some of the lessons to not only the standards, what do you know? Math, but the social justice no. standards. Boom. That's there you awesome. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and then in one thing too, you know, some of the, you're talking about critical consciousness, um, mm -hmm. Austin, and that's from a, there's a book club that uh, Dr. Monroe and I are currently facilitating a, uh, about the book Dream Keepers by uh, the, the Dream Keepers by Gloria Ladson Billings. And that's one of the components. She's talking about these excellent teachers of African-American students that she researched back in the, was it the 80s? Must've been the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah, late 80s. Late um, 80s, she's, early 90s. Yeah, lady. And so, you know, she's a awesome uh, researcher and everything, but like she was looking for what are these components that they had? And one of them, of these great teachers, and one of them was this like idea of this critical consciousness. So there you go. That's, that's we've got. Uh, All right, yeah. get in. I got to get in on that book club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still going. 
<laughs> if y'all allow students. <laughs> well, hey, uh, come by my office. Maybe we can get you something. Anyway, I'll get you, we got a book for you. There you go. So uh, thank you, Dean Rock. All right, very good. Anything else that we want to say for the good of the order? I just... Uh, awesome, awesome to speak to Austin. I know he's doing great work in a senior practicum right now and be student teaching in the spring. And um, I believe, Austin, you're at Austin at Oxford High School. Yes. Is yes. that correct? Oxford. Working right now with students. So just wish him the best of luck as he finishes out his senior year and uh, enters the teaching profession. We're excited and uh, thrilled that he's um, chosen the greatest profession on earth. Austin, I think you're this right. is the the first time we've interviewed an, an under, is this a first undergraduate still hmm. in the program? Maybe yeah. so. Maybe it is. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but I think it is. Austin. Oh, That's feel, excellent. Wow. He's still working on this portfolio as still we working. speak. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm getting more experience as I go. No, this is good. This is the whole point of the podcast. That's great. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Austin, for doing this. And, and thank you, for tuning into the teacher's journey, mile markers on the road to better teaching. This episode may be over, but the journey to better teaching continues. Please subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when the next episodes are ready to listen to. And if you like to hear, if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. You can also share the podcast with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development. And are you ready to start your journey to better teaching? Send an email to Nick Sisk. That's Nick F at olmiss.edu. He's a school of education admissions counselor to hear about all the options like Mississippi Excellence and Teaching Program, all the options for becoming a teacher or educational leader. Perhaps you are well into your journey and looking to further advance as a practitioner or researcher in your field. For more information on all of our graduate programs, contact the University of Mississippi School of Education's Graduate Studies Office by sending an email to graduation at olmiss.edu. Also, follow the University of Mississippi School of Education on social media at Ole Miss Ed School on Twitter and Instagram so you can learn more about opportunities like free graduate application weekends. Information can be found in the show notes for this episode at roadtobetterteaching.com. And finally, thank you, Austin, for sharing a portion of your journey with us today. And thank you to all of you listeners out there for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you have given to teach others. 